Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome to the bank. It's November 7th. I'm joined by a colleague, BSL Ravens analyst, Jamie Seek. And we're here to talk about all things Ravens. Uh, the Ravens coming off another dismo- demolishment of uh, an NFC division leader this past Sunday as they beat up Seattle. Uh, that's the second time in their last three games. Uh Detroit three weeks ago. So in the majority of the national power rankings, we're seeing Baltimore elevated from a team that most had in the six to eight range to one of the inner circle favorites to win the Super Bowl 58. So coming off of this win, Jamie, how excited are you about the Ravens prospects? It, it's it's hard to temper uh, excitement and expectations at this point. Uh, the things that we talked about earlier in the season, looking for the team to build some consistency and looking to put together, you know, convincing games and put together complete games. And they're starting to do that now with now here two of the last three weeks, they've taken on division leaders and just completely stolen their lunch money from, from both teams. And I think the thing I find the most exciting about what happened like last week is an example. And really again, over the course of the last couple of weeks is here they're they're scoring at at a rate that's really close to that that pace that they set in 2019. Here you have another game where they, they eclipse 30 points, and it's not like it's one particular player doing it all. Um, Zay Flowers only had one catch for what was it, 13 yards or 11 yards, something like that. Whereas he had been a big part of the offense the last couple of weeks. He doesn't do anything, but you have Beckham contribute five catches and a touchdown. Um, not to get too much into the other stuff, but you had the big contributions from Keaton Mitchell. So you have this offensively, you have so many pieces that it's really a pick your poison for opposing defenses. And we're going to continue to see that as the season wears on. And that's exciting to me because you can't focus really on one thing, like just take away Mark Andrews as an example. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And uh, but just said it in the game thread the other day. It was just like really early on. You just there was a lot to like, and you know it's not overvaluing um, Detroit or Seattle, but those are both competent squads. They both got just absolutely murdered by the Ravens, but in both of those games, the Ravens really just controlled both. Um, and you're seeing it from multiple facets from uh, phases from the Ravens. So, and their ability to kind of adjust uh, per opponent is you know, pretty encouraging. Obviously, you know, we'll get to the defense later, but defense has played at a high level. And now uh, the offense is putting more, uh, more together as, as we get into this season. So you corrected me last week when I suggested the uh, Ravens were leading the league in sacks, but they were still needing to, generator scheme pressure versus just lining up and getting pressure from their front four. And you correct me that, Hey, actually they were getting more and, you know, taking another look at it, Michael Pierce, he's played great the last few weeks, but you know, also Matt Buque, who's, you know, seven and a half sacks. So just another opportunity here, Jamie, just what uh, are you seeing from the, the Ravens front? 
Well, the interesting thing about Matt Abike, I don't know if you remember, uh, last year, uh, Peter King had Justin Matabike as his dark horse defensive player of the year candidate. So it looked like he was just a year early with that prediction, because if you look at what he's doing from the defensive tackle spot, it's incredibly impressive. And we've seen that we've seen flashes from Matabike throughout his time here. And we've kind of been waiting. I mean, we've talked about him on this show. He's been discussed on the board. He'll flash for, you know, a, a quarter or, or a week or two, but he hasn't really been able to put it all together like he has so far this year in this season that he's having with getting to the quarterback and generating pressure. But the interesting thing that they're doing and was watching a little bit of uh, some, a couple of uh, analysts doing some film study and showing the way that McDonald is, uh, you know, lining up guys really wide on the defensive front, running some really interesting stunts um, to create pressure. And then you saw with Adafi Owe getting a little bit healthier he had a wicked spin move on his sack to beat the, the the offensive tackle. So you're seeing not only some cool stuff schematically uh, with the front four, but you're seeing improved individual efforts. And I think that goes back to bringing in uh, defensive coach Chuck Smith to work on their individual pass rush moves, be a little bit more varied in those moves to create different things that the offensive linemen have to worry about. If you're expecting a guy to bull rush and all of a sudden hits you with a spin move, you know, if you're looking for the spin move and the guy decides to, you know, duck inside stuff that we really haven't seen over the years, because we've really, since Terrell Suggs, we haven't had a really good individual pass rusher. And now we're seeing multiple guys that are, you know, making noise. And it's not just the, you know, the old Wink Martindale, we got to throw the kitchen sink at them in order to get pressure. We're getting pressure, not because of numbers we're getting pressure because guys are, you know, finding a way to get there. Yeah. I also think it's important though, that they're, um, I mean, they're getting production at all three levels and you really just remember that it is a team game. So when you have, have the secondary playing well, and obviously secondary plays better if they're getting a pass rush in front of them, but when the secondary is, uh, you know, uh, they're playing well uh, and there's nowhere uh, to go on those quick hits. Then, uh, you know, it gives mm-hmm. more time for the, for the front to, uh, to get home. The linebackers have obviously been excellent since uh, Roquan Smith became a Raven. So it's uh, uh, they're playing very well off of each other. So as we look at the defense as a whole, obviously, as we said on top and just again, you know, reiterate here, it's been excellent. And uh, yeah. we the linebackers last- have been really good in pass coverage too. Um, Queen and Roquan Smith getting outstanding quick depth on, on their drop, taking options away for the quarterback over the middle, allowing time for pressure to happen. Kyle Hamilton moving all around, you know, being used in the nickel, being used as a deep safety, blitzing him. Queen, he had that one, uh, it was a run blitz. It was timed beautifully, blew up a play in the backfield, like just every every piece of the puzzle seems to just be working and McDonald is putting guys in the right spot. And, you know, it, it's just, it's all working right now. It's to that, hard to, to, that to, point about, uh, to that point about McDonald and also what several of the analysts were saying, obviously this past weekend you had uh, uh, CBS's lead team dancing Romo doing the game. And I thought Romo made the interesting point that McDonald has the Ravens defense in a similar alignment a lot of times, but using multiple looks off of the similar alignment. So, uh, um, you know, we have a kind of that base structure and they can, uh, uh, and they can vary, vary what they're doing off of that. 
but yeah, everyone's playing very well off each other. And again, defense as a whole is playing this, this very high level. Last week, we talked about some of the numbers across the board speaking to their excellence. Obviously, those numbers have only improved by what they did to Seattle. Uh, I think it's fair to say the Ravens haven't exactly faced a murderer's row of QBs, but the defense is very good, seemingly only getting stronger. Like, uh, we'll see what, you know, any news of Bowser. I haven't seen anything uh, this week. It's still yeah. a really weird situation with what happened there. Like, I, we don't know what happened. He's his knee, something happened to his knee, and it's being problematic, but they've been very tight-lipped about it. Very strange situation. But, you know, with regard to the quarterbacks, you know, of course, like, and you, you can't, you can't pick who you play against. You know, so the Ravens have played who they played, but they've taken care of business. But at the same time, uh, let's see what an elite quarterback can do against this defense. Cause I don't think any, yeah. I don't think any of the big, big time quarterbacks are chomping at the bit to face this defense right now. Cause you look at not only what they're doing from an effort standpoint and the things that are doing within the scheme, but how fundamentally sound is this defense this year? What did we? What are the things we talk about under Wink at, towards the end? There, we got frustrated with poor tackling. Uh, we were always talking about Patrick Queen sometimes taking bad angles. Um, we're not seeing flags on the secondary. Where's the illegal contact? Where's the pass interference? We're not seeing it. These guys are playing good technique. They're playing fundamentally sound. And when you do those little things right, yeah, when you're not giving teams, you know, first downs on penalties, when you're when they're throwing the ball underneath, but you're hitting the guy and they're not getting yards after contact, that's, it's a big difference. And and you're seeing those things this year and you add, add to all that. This is the fastest Ravens defense I've seen in a long time. They, 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 they just, they fly to the football and it's, I said this on the board, like I really didn't think it was, it was it, a team would be able to play defense like this in the modern era just because of the way the rules are and the way the game is officiated, the way the game is played to see them play this kind of fast physical defense in 2023, quite frankly, is refreshing. Well, one of the reasons they're playing quicker, obviously is that the athleticism has been increased across the board. You talk about like Hamilton and his versatility. Uh, Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the other thing is it's easier to be instinctual when, around you works <laughs> and there's not you know black holes and you're making up for compensating for, uh, for that everyone has their fit within the within the defense and they can uh, focus on their particular needs it queen's a good example obviously the uh his play has consistently you know elevated and been strong since the acquisition of smith but like earlier in Queen's career, and you know, he's drafted there in the first round. And we've talked about many times what he came into the league as, like one of the youngest players in the league in 2020, not having that you know, regular camp or off season. But he came into the league, and sometimes even a guy like him, who was a very strong athlete, he looked uh, a step slow. But you can look slow when you're thinking, "Where do mm-hmm. I have to? Where do I have to be?" And it's just not. You're just not free flowing into the, you know, into the play. But everybody looks uh, on point right now, and they've, they've uh, definitely, the athleticism has been raised. Um, yeah, and with the, and with the, you know, the we can talk on and on about the Roquan Smith trade last year, but with a guy like Roquan, his his knowledge of the defense, and with very, it's very 2000 esque in that 
everybody can count on the guy next to them. Yep. And it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason, because if you know the guy next to you is going to do his job, it makes it that much easier for you to do your job. And then Chris, to your point, you can play fast. You don't have to think about things because you're not worrying about, you know, what's going on around you. You can do what you have to do. Now, the, other thing, that, that. the other thing that happened there in 2000 is that uh, schematically the Ravens defense became fairly vanilla because they could just line up and mm-hmm. and win and what did you have you had a you had a bunch of beef you had beef on the interior defensive line that could collapse the pocket right you had physical linebackers in the middle of the field and you had a couple of good cornerbacks and yeah now and you had rod woodson wiley veteran at safety and you and you had kim herring running around who not you know not a household name for a lot of people but he was just a solid ball player and you know when you have those guys you have it at every level and that's where these you know where the ravens defense were always good you had this just each level you could look and say this player this player this player each level the defense and they they have that again this year so fun to watch um I don't want the Ravens looking ahead, but I'll do it. So you mm-hmm. know, after we get through uh, this this weekend versus the Browns, and we'll preview that uh, shortly. Following week is uh, versus Cincinnati, and uh, a second look versus Burrow. And I'm really looking forward to that. I'll give Burrow the benefit of the doubt and say when they played earlier this year, they didn't look quite right physically, but he has uh, seemingly got past that. But yeah. I'd like to see Burrow versus a full strength Ravens. Uh, defense, which he rarely has faced so far in his career, so that that should be fun. But we'll uh, we'll get to that next week. Um, going back to this past Sunday, nearly you know just under 300 total yards on the ground for the Ravens. Uh, obviously, the big fantasy waiver pick nationally this week has been Keaton Mitchell. Um, I feel ridiculous saying this after. <laughs> Uh, Mitchell's first nine carries as a pro, but Sunday he certainly looked like that last piece, which would could uh, really unlock the offense. Uh, what did you see, Jamie? Well, I mean, look, the, the speed was there. I mean, what, what do they say? You got the twenty point nine nine miles an hour on that touchdown yeah. run. That's the the fastest Ravens ball carrier this year. And then on the sixty yard run, um, a, a, a little bit later in the game, he, he broke a couple of tackles and you know showed some elusiveness in there. So. You know, interesting that the Ravens scoop him up as an undrafted free agent when you look at him like, well, what about him is undraft undraftable? And really it's I mean, it's it's his height. He's he's a little guy. But yeah. it, it, but that's you know, hey, Ray Lewis fell to 26 because he was too short, you know. So it's it's interesting when you look at things, you know, measurables like that and how it can it can take you away from what the tape is showing you. You know, and of course, yeah, and obviously, he went to a smaller school, but it was um, smaller school, and he wasn't wasn't power five, but it wasn't, it, it, you know, it wasn't uh, D three school either. I mean, it was right, like, right, it wasn't like he went to Villa Julie or something. Um, the uh, what's the big numbers? It was a, a yeah, a, a all AAC uh, multiple times there. It was yeah. just uh. So we saw what he did in camp, and you know, it was pretty exciting, and we kind of wondered what that would look like if he got activated. He really yeah, we were just waiting for him to get over those, you know, those nagging injuries. And he had, you know, he had the shoulder thing and he had like a little hamstring. The last thing he wanted was a speed guy to have any kind of hamstring stuff. But um, it, I'm going to be interested to see what it looks like when a team now, look, there's only nine carries, but there's a little bit of film on him. 
you know, the, the Browns are going to prepare for him a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I think given what they're, what they can do in the backfield, I still don't think that there's any one guy is going to get a ton of carries and, and, you know, maybe within a given week, it might ebb and flow a little bit, but I don't think any of these three guys are going to be a, you know, a 15 or 20 touch a game back. I think they're going to continue to work it like this. I still like to see Gus Edwards get involved a little bit more. I like that they're using him in the goal line situations, which is fine. He can be a closer there. I'd still like to see his, I mean, well, he only had 14 snaps, I think. Now, again, you could say game situation and, you know, and, and, and things like that. But I think, it, you know, enough of what you have in Gus Edwards that I think you can give him the ball a little bit more. I think I'd like to see the rotation. I think I'd like to see it be Edwards Mitchell and then he'll kind of be the, be the third back, but they do like Hills pass protection so much. But as we talked about on the board, Justin Hill always seems to be the one that's involved in the botched mesh point exchanges. And it happened, you know, it didn't hurt him this week because they recovered the fumble, but it happened again, just for whatever reason, him and Lamar just don't seem to have that chemistry on that. Um, You don't, you hate to nitpick that, but it's happened quite a bit. And it seems to be the only thing that's stopping this Ravens team is turning the football over and self-destructing. So if you can take that out of the mix, you got to try to do that. So either, Hill and, and Lamar have to work on that or when Hill's in the game, they just can't run any RPO stuff. But I, what I really liked with Mitchell, obviously beyond the, you know, ridiculous production he had on his nine carries is that it, it looked like the Ravens had another option. So I, I mean, the one kind of worry I've had in the back of my head is if uh, they lost Gus, there would be. Kinda, I, uh, I don't want to see Melvin Gordon get a lot of carries. Like, you know, that's really what that comes right. down to. Even though Harbaugh tried to build up Melvin Gordon a little bit in this press conference, it's like, let's be realistic. Melvin Gordon is a, you know, he's a break glass in case of emergency and that's it, you know, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm curious. I think what uh, Mitchell did have like one catch, but I think it was a bad, it was a kind of a screen pass gone wrong because, you know, we might be the worst screen team in football, but I'd be curious to see if Mitchell can, do anything in the passing game either you would think with his speed and elusiveness he would be able to so maybe they can get him you know on the edge on like a wheel route or something or you know it, it'd be interesting to get him the ball in space and see what he can do so jamie as of today the entire afc north would be making the playoffs um ravens will be hosting of course their afc north foe cleveland this week uh as you you know, we saw uh, the Ravens beat uh, the Browns pretty bad uh, earlier this year in Cleveland. What what are you expecting? Kind of general thoughts on uh, on the Browns? You, you know, it's it's weird with when you're looking at the Browns because they have uh, they were, I think they're still number one defensive DVOA. So of course, you know they're they're producing defensively. Miles Garrett's a you know defensive player of the year candidate. They have a they have an outstanding secondary but they've had kind of a weird season. If people want to talk about the Ravens haven't, you know, really faced a murderer's row of QBs. If you look at the Browns best games by points allowed, they shut out the Cardinals and you know, whoever, who did they start? What was his name? Looney tunes, whoever that guy was that started for the Cardinals this week. Um, they, they held Titans and, you know, the corpse of, of Ryan Tannehill three points. And they held Cincy to three points when Joe Burrow was hobbling around on one leg. 
But then the rest of their games, they, well, they gave up 17 to the 49ers when McCaffrey left the game. Hers are bleak. He only had like 14 carry, oh, 11 carries in that game. Um, they gave up 26 points to Pittsburgh, which is the most points Pittsburgh scored against anybody this year. They gave up 24 to Seattle. Uh, we got, we dinged them for 28. And then the game against the Colts, they gave up 38 points. That game hit the over by halftime. So it's, it's been kind of a weird year for the Browns in that, you know, overall the numbers kind of look good, but it seems like it's really powered by a couple of those top heavy games. So, and the Ravens ran the ball pretty well against the Browns in their place last time. And that was really before, and things still kind of weren't clicking at that point in the season, like at that, that point earlier in the year, like they are now. So I'm, I want to temper my expectations because you don't want to get too far ahead of it, be too far ahead of yourself because it's a division opponent. And again, they're going to play tough and they're there. And we know Jim Schwartz is an excellent defense coordinator. He's going to have some stuff drawn up, but it's pick your poison. Like I, like I alluded to earlier, if you're going to take something, you're going to dedicate, you're going to take something away. You're going to go heavy box. The Ravens can beat you through the air. If you want to spy Lamar, he's going to throw it from the pocket. If they want to take away Mark Andrews, throw the ball to Zay Flowers or Odell Beckham or Nelson Aguilar. So the Ravens having a lot of options offensively now really changes the dynamic. And they haven't had a collection of weapons like this offensively in the last decade. And it's, it's different. I, you know, I'll give respect to uh, the Browns defense. Obviously Garrett's having another uh, uh, major year. For me, like if the Browns were going to win this game, Watson would have to have a, a much bigger game than anything we've seen really since he's joined yeah. the Browns. And, uh, you know, as you always mention, you know, turnovers, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, maybe a, a defensive or a special team score because uh, uh, the game could be closer than what we saw at Cleveland, but. You know, at home, it would, it's pretty hard to, for me to imagine the Ravens not winning this game. I just, I'm not. Yeah, it's it's really going to be you know an individual effort, like a, you know, for Miles Garrett to come off the edge and get a you know get a strip sack in you know on the on the Ravens side of the field and and flip the game that way could could absolutely happen. But you know, with with Watson kind of being a shell of the quarterback he was in Houston. Without Nick Chubb, you know, a, a Kareem Hunt can can tote the rock, and uh, and who's the kid? I, and God, his his name escapes me. The other kid that they've been using at running back, but uh, Jerome Ford, yeah, yeah, that's it. Ford, um, probably the biggest. Look, Amari Cooper can play, but my biggest concern is in Joku. I that that the right. we the Ravens have been better against tight ends this year, and I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup because they're probably going to have Kyle Hamilton cover and Joku a lot. I think that's kind of one of those keys to the game because, you know, the tight ends are always security blankets and, and, and the joke a big physical target for Watson. So if they can keep him under wraps and take care of the football, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a game that should get away from the Ravens, but with, you know, you always couch that thought on division games because the opponents know each other so well and things can just kind of go haywire in division games. Yeah, I see what the adjustments uh, are. <laughs> I didn't realize the push. 
Jerry was on there. On the, on yeah, the like, like that's yeah. definitely a uh, what's in the playbook, James. Although they, they are going to elevate him, though it sounds like to the uh, to the active roster. So, and they did trade they traded Donovan Peoples Jones, right? Which I thought was kind of weird, but um, so for whatever that's worth. Um, but we'll see. I, I wonder if Watson's shoulder is going to flare up in the next couple of days. Yeah, you can only play against Arizona, right? Yeah, that'd be possible. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. You you look at their depth chart. It's just not. It's not a lot that scares you there. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Overall. Uh, but as you said, division weird things can happen. Um, I do think Watson would have to have a a, a much bigger game than we've seen him uh, have as a Brown. Uh, it's just really going to be interesting to watch the rest of his career <laughs> with, uh, like, yeah Cleveland really they they I, I, they were quarterback starved obviously in making that move and you know putting you know putting the the off the field stuff to the side which they did you you, you look at the player and you thought well we can you know if he's 80 percent of the guy he was you know the first couple of years of his career we can get, you know, we can do this, that, and that with him, but that was also predicated on having that running game. But then that contract they gave him, and my God, they're they're, they're going to be in bad shape cap wise in the next couple. When that, you know, because they they kick that cap hit a little bit, but it's going to hit hard coming up in uh, like twenty five and twenty six. It's crazy that you could just omit all the off field stuff. And still, really hate the contract. <laughs> I mean, oh like, my god, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, even if he was the, stuff. even if he was the Pro Bowl player that he was his first couple of years in Houston, I don't see how you can look at that contract and say that was a good idea. But and it's funny, and I and I wonder. <laughs> we went through the contract stuff here with Lamar, and it does make you wonder how much that moment between the Lamar deal and well, then the Jalen Hurts deal happened first. It seemed like there was a moment in history almost where there was going to be a push for guaranteed contracts because and using the Sean Watson contract as that foothold into that door. But whether it was the owners colluded or whatever, the line was held and it didn't happen. And it's clear now that Watson's contract was the outlier and the Browns organization is going to be the Browns and they screwed that up and they're going to have to live with it. Um, I mean, just what a terrible decision. I mean, terrible. <laughs> All right. I think we're both leaving, uh, leading uh, Ravens over the Browns. You want to give us a uh, prediction for the uh, weekend? It's the ESPN's matchup predictor, giving the Ravens basically a 70% chance of winning, uh, expecting Baltimore to improve to 8-2 and two as they try to maintain pace of Kansas City for uh, – uh, in the race for the overall number one seed in the AFC. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is, this is an opportunity for the Ravens to separate themselves a little bit because it's still, you know, only one game in the loss column. Uh, but, you know, given what the Ravens have been doing offensively, given what they've been doing defensively, and they've cleaned up the special teams, there hasn't been any big returns allowed the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I think this, this is a game. I think the Ravens are going to roll. I think it's going to be 31-17. 31-17 Ravens sounds about right. All right. There you heard it from Jamie. Let's uh, get this game in the books, have another good game, and then uh, be set up for Baltimore-Cincinnati, which I think is going to get a 
ton of hype nationally, but win this game first. Uh, yeah. Come enjoy the uh, Ravens talk site, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, and also on our message board. And then again, watch the uh, game thread that we'll have Sunday where win or lose, people will be melting down. So it's always fun <laughs> and entertaining there. All right, come, come and check that out. All right, take care. Thank <laughs> you.